you are at Founders FAQ, answers to all the possible questions of a founder. Zero to one stage when you're finding your product market fit, once you've done that, pick out what are the delights? What are those key values that you're adding to your customers? Once you've identified those along the way, because those are going to be very telling on like what's also um, going to be really important for your next, you know, 20 customers, your next 100 customers. And then think about how do I, how do you continue to scale those delights? Because if you start to miss the mark on those, then your, your product's kind of um, rolling back and regurgitating. Welcome to Founders of AQ. Today, my guest is Sargun Kaur. Sargun is co-founder and CEO of Byteboard, a technical interviewing platform that is backed by Google's Incubator Area 120. Previously, she was a software engineer on Google and was selected to Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2019. Hi, Sargun. Welcome to Founders FAQ. Thanks for having me. I have, I have a lot of questions for you. Uh, at first place, I would like to start uh, your story. How you start the whiteboard and how, how is it all started? Yeah, so I'll start with saying that I didn't kind of think about becoming a founder or, or say to myself that, hey, today, like, I really want to start a startup. I was an engineer at Google at the time. I'd been working at Google for about four years at that point was working on the Google Photos team with an incredible team building a product for um, for NBU in particular, and and thought I was just going to be at Google my my entire life. I had a good life, um, you know, a good paycheck, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of had hit that hit that peak of hey, I really like my job. I'm going to go in nine to five and kind of work every day. But in the back of my mind, there was always like this creativity or wanting to do something more. And I think it it, it came to all came to um, be I, I met my now co founder at a hackathon, actually. And I'll say I never really go to hackathons, but I went to this particular one that ended up changing my life. It was social enterprise theme. So I was really, really interested in how do you build socially impactful products um, and still make them enterprises? They don't have to necessarily be nonprofits. So I'd spent this weekend um, at this hackathon, ended up meeting Nikki there and just really enjoyed talking to her. So we went back and we're like, we should grab coffee at some point. Um, and that friendship really quickly turned into us exchanging ideas. And most friends, you talk about really interesting ideas and like, we should do this or, you know, like we should start this, but nothing really end up, ends up happening. But what was really serendipitous and really cool about that moment is after I think the second time Nikki and I met for coffee, we went home and we started thinking about some ideas that were just top of mind for us. And we came back and actually did that homework. And as a part of one of those ideas, um, diversity in tech was something that was really top of mind for us at that point. And so we started talking about it. And we had this like four hour long conversation that one night. And literally that night, we coined the term Byteboard. We started venting about how the interview process um, so I had become interview trained at Google, um, you know, was doing interviews. I heard so many folks, my friends who were like, you know, we're so scared of interviews. Technical interviews take so much time and to prepare, to study for. It's, it's such a gated process. And Nikki and I were just like kind of shared our own stories and, and realized 
there's a big gap here. There's something that's not working. And there's a lot of opinions and a lot of stories about people saying it's not working. There's got to be something better. And literally with that moment, there's got to be something better. Why not us? Like who better to build this if not us? Um, that's how Byteboard started. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And how, how did you get your first users, your customers, and in the, in the process of product market fit? How do they how do you understand? Yes, this customers fit is really done, so we can be ready for scale. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And I'll start with saying, you know, Nikki and I were first time founders. We didn't go in with saying like this is going to be our go to market strategy. This is our like B two B approach and pricing approach. We were really building for the customer. And part of the customer was us because we were also candidates in the past who had done interviews and hated them. So we were trying to build the best interview that we would want to take. And there's a lot of tools that existed in the interview space, but and they they had existed for a really long time, but none of them worked um, or really identified the core issue of the problem. And so one of the, actually, one of our team values at Byboard is to be selectively scrappy. And I bring this up um, to answer your question for scale, because we identified our problem very quickly. And to get to our first user, we built a really rapid prototype without any code at all. Um, We said, what's, how can we put this idea out into play? Took that idea and actually got our first paying customer without having written any code. We were so sold that we had identified the right problem and no one had presented and like connected with them in that way that they knew we were onto something, uh, which was incredible. And in terms of identifying our first customer, it was just like reaching out to anyone I knew who was an engineering manager at a company who was a engineer or a recruiter at a company and Lyft actually, I I knew someone at that company who was really passionate about interviews and really resonated. They took a chance. We uh, showed up and like delivered really solid results. Um, and it and there's a really funny story there. But essentially, they're like, "Can you interview 200 candidates in two weeks?" And like I said, at that point, we had a prototype. We did not have any sort of product. And I was there with our CTO in that meeting, and our CTO is like, "That's not possible. We have no infrastructure, nothing." And I was like, "Yep, we'll do it." And her face just fell in the meeting. I could tell. And we walked out and she's like, what did you just commit to? Um, and I was like, we're going to figure out a way. We're going to do it. If we have to stay up all night, you know, that's fine. But what that allowed us to do was rapidly build really quickly to deliver. We delivered well. And um, and that's how we identified like, hey, there, this is working. And our approach to growth after that and scaling after that really was, you know, existing customers are your best growth channels. If you can make an existing customer happy, that's just going to balloon. And we've gotten so many referrals. Recruiters have left that company and brought Byboard along with them. Um, Acquiring new customers is so expensive, but making existing customers happy um, is the easiest win. Yeah, it's it's perfect because... uh... A lot of founders are struggling with finding the product market with and you deal with without building the product, like coding the product. And could you give some kind of detail in there? Because it's really important. Most founders spend a lot of time like coding uh, the product rather than just solving a need, solving the problem. So solving a pain is, I think, the most critical thing in here. And as I see, you solve the pain in there. 
And what, what would you like to recommend for founders about solving the pain rather than just writing a lot of codes but not solving the pain? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the early mistakes I see with, with founders is getting so tied up in a robust kind of solution that you've built out. You're like, okay, I'm going to go out to a, fa- to a customer and you, your, your solution at that point is not flexible enough to adapt to what the customer is rep- responding to. Yes, we went to Lyft and, and they turned out, uh, we, we demonstrated that we had really positive results. But there was also a lot of feedback on how to improve the process along the way. And because we were still, we were so flexible with our prototype, we built our product. We built our initial product with our first customers, which like you just said, right? Like solving the pain, the customer Lyft recruiting team couldn't build a product like this, but they were the most, they were the the experts in this space and what candidates needed, what they needed to assess for. And we could be the executioners in terms of building this out for them. So our early customer um, was very much tied in with our product roadmap. And because we made it so flexible early on, we were building a product side by side with them, which ensured that we were solving exactly the pain points that they were, they were seeing. And anything along the way, you know, we would, we would iterate on a design, we would increase the time limits or change the question of the interview. And we, we have a direct path to working with our end customer along the way, which I think is really, really important versus me building something in a silo, taking it to a customer and be like, use it or leave it, which is really, really tough for an early product um, to be that great to be able to say like, this should work out of the box. It never does. Um, yeah. I get it. I get it. And another thing is what we are suggesting for like prospective founders right now, who are work like are working in startups as a like engineering manager, product manager, or those kind of roles without leaving the company or maybe in the process to start a startup or how, how should they just start their startups in this process? Because it's kind of tough and to get a decision is tough. So what would be your suggestion for this? I think it comes back to the root of what we just talked about, right? One, um, I think it's really important for before you start any projects to be to be the user yourself, right? Like if the pain point is really close to who you are, you're just better off um, as being the right person in terms of founder market fit, founder product fit to start this project. Um, and I say this because obviously it's better for the product, but it's also one of the things that I've learned um, in building Byteboard as this journey of of starting Byteboard and working on a startup is definitely a test of will, not a test of intellect at times, just because it's such a physical, emotional roller coaster. You really need to be invested, heart, mind, body, soul um, to, to make it through. And so because I passionately and every member of my team is so invested in making interviews better, even in like the lowest of times, you know, we're like, we know we're onto something. It's just going to take war. Um, and to go back to your question, I think no matter if you're at a big company or a small company, if there's something like that that lights you up and you you realize, hey, I know there's a problem somewhere in here that I feel really passionate about. I don't know what the solution is yet. And start to think about that um, is 
and, and, and start building a prototype, right? Start working on something. And even if you don't know how to code, there's so many avenues that exist to able to be able to test your prototype out or even identify, you know, the first, actually the first almost two months before we came out, like while we were working on this idea, Nikki and I just talked to hundreds of engineers, candidates, recruiters along the way to really make sure that we had identified the right problem before we even went out to go seek out investing or funding or build out our team or anything like that. We just talked to a bunch of people and you can do that while you're working a full-time job or, you know, while you're working at a company, you can go talk to people. Um, I used to say like, go just go sit at a Starbucks at a corner in San Francisco and you're going to meet so many engineering managers. You're going to just meet so many people in tech. So identify the right space that you need to be in, spend an afternoon, spend a weekend talking to users there. Um, and if that all comes together, then you have a lot more motivation to, to step out and maybe pursue this full time. I get it. And uh, my other question is finding the right co-founder is pretty tough and I think it's pretty important while starting a startup, especially after scaling startup as well. So what do you think about how is like Nikki is a really right co-founder to you and how did you decide it? Yeah, uh, I have so many thoughts here because Nikki and I complement each other so well, but it took us six, seven months to really figure out our relationship. Um, and it is a relationship, right? Because I don't think there's been a day I haven't talked to her since we started Byboard. Um, and there's so many highs, there's so many lows. It's like you're, you're walking into a marriage of sorts. Um, and how to identify the right co-founder? I think one for me and Nikki, at least, we, we have to be at the same level, at least at the mission that at the end of what we're trying to do is the same. And then we talked about everything else. Nikki and I had come up with a product uh, idea together. But after that, uh, we hadn't actually worked together because we had just met, you know, um, I want to say like two weeks before we started to actually work on this project. We had we were new friends and immediately jumped into discussing the product. So I was learning a lot about her along the way. Um, but... One of the things I identified early on was Nikki had this activation energy. So I spoke about, you know, there's a lot of friends you talk about like building products with or projects with, but they never turn out. But with Nikki, we showed up and did something about it. So I, I think that was a great sign of like, this person is actually going to motivate me to like continue to do work. But the biggest thing was the conversations that we had across those seven months there were really hard conversations, right? And initially, um, I have a very avoidant personality. So if like, if I'm under stress, like I tend to shut down, uh, but Nikki's the opposite. And so we weren't, we were missing each other on how to communicate. Um, and so we went to coaching together. Initially, we had, we took a bunch of personality tests, kind of as a, as a fun thing. But what that allowed us to do was identify the language to talk to each other. Right. Nikki could come up to me and be like, Hey, I know you're stressed. And in times of stress, you tend to maybe shut down. I just want to make sure that we talk about this. And I was like, okay, like that makes sense. You identified and used the language of how I'm acting in this situation to talk about something really important. Where in most cases, you don't have that communication and that continue that just builds up to something that's really toxic. Um, and we don't always agree on everything, but the approach to 
coming together to talk about it, having this a shared sense of values um, and being having the same motivations, but very different set of skills um, enabled us to be a really, really great team. Um, I've been super fortunate. We're very close friends, um, but also I can trust her to, to kind of come back to me with feedback or be like, this didn't go right. And, and, and no, she means it from like, you know, a really pure place and, and vice versa and, and return that to her. If that level of honesty doesn't exist, then I think there's just a lot of things from the, the product, the team that might go missed. Um, that's not going to be great for your for your startup. I get it. Perfect. And uh, lastly, what, what are your plans for the Byteboard nextly and scaling the team and the product? What would your suggestion for founder? Because after you got the product market fit, the scaling part is another chapter for a startup. So I would like to get your suggestions as well. Yeah, honestly, I'm figuring that out uh, as we figured out everything else. And the zero to one part was so much fun because like I said, there was, there was so much flexibility. I knew the code base really well at that point. At this point, our code base is like ballooned and I can't go in there and code anymore or fix anything, which is a little, little sad. But I think that just alludes to how big our product has grown and um, how, how much more mature it is that founders shouldn't be coming in and trying to code always. But it's a whole set of new challenges when it comes to scaling. Everything from working on a remote team and the processes associated with that have been an incredible challenge and learning you know, how to optimize and how to make sure my team is happy, healthy, not burnt out is, is a separate chapter. And then on the product end, you know, I, I, I'm, I come from an engineering background, but when it came to our early customers, I was doing all the client calls, the demos, I kind of ran the, the business, marketing, customer sales, all of it. I had one-to-one relationships with everyone I was meeting in terms of customers. I like often text, you know, our customers or our recruiters. Like I had, like, it was a very relationship-based sales model to make sure this product was working for their teams. But now we have 40, 50 customers and a growing list. I can't keep that one-on-one relationship with our new customer. So I'm I'm working on learning, like how do we keep our sense of values and, and our customers love how quickly we respond to them. You know, and that's, that's something that I found out one thing that they've mentioned over and over again of how receptive we are to their feedback in terms of the product or any issues that come up. How do I scale those like really key delights in the product, even as we grow? So that's what I'm working on now. And, and there's different ways that we've been iterating on that. But it's a whole new set of challenges when it comes to pass that product market fit, um, which have been incredible to learn for myself, because I think I'm becoming a new type of leader now that we're in that scaling stage. I guess I'll end by saying in that zero to one stage, when you're finding your product market fit, once you've done that. Pick out what are the delights, what are those key values that you're adding to your customers once you've identified those along the way, because those are going to be very telling on like what's also um, going to be really important for your next, you know, 20 customers, your next 100 customers. And then think about how do I, how do you continue to scale those delights? Because if you start to miss the mark on those, then your, your product's kind of um, rolling back and regurgitating. Um, and it's and it's just going to be a really key added strength 
to to as you scale if you can keep those i get it and yeah these are all my questions anger thank you for joining founders epic it's really nice having you and good luck for the whiteboard oh thank you so much um, i'm excited first to see how this comes out By the way, Founders FAQ is in pre-order and it covers the answers to all the possible questions of a founder in a startup journey, whether revealing life-saving principles for the startup survival path, building A-plus teams, creating an evolving machine, setting up a need culture, or interpreting the true path for the fundraising. You can pre-order it from foundersfq.com and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook.